This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by BitPay and Electronium. Stay tuned for more about them later on in the episode. What's up, everyone? You know who I am, but if not, I am Charlie Shrem, and this is Untold Stories, where twice a week we dive deep with crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement truly came to be. This show is powered by the BlockWorks Group, a media production company with over 20 podcasts in their network. Check them out at blockworksgroup.io. With that, today's guest is my good friend, Anthony Trenchev, the co-founder and managing partner of Nexo. For those who don't know, Nexo is such a cool company because they offer the ability to borrow against your cryptocurrency. So the ability to get instant credit lines against your Bitcoin, against your USDC or any other type of uh, cryptocurrency. But at the same time, they also offer the ability to earn interest and to earn a yield. And as we all know, we're now in the year of the yield with DeFi and yield farming and craziness, craziness. How are we able to offer percentages that the traditional financial industry is never and has never been able to offer? That answer and more. I sound like I'm doing a commercial. Tune in now to Untold Stories. Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories today. Good morning or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. <laughs> Depends on where in the world we are. Well, yeah. thank you so much for having me, Charlie. A lot of... Uh, um, yeah, it's funny cause I, um, some, I used to have to ask, I still, I don't do it anymore, but I used to ask like the guests, do you want me to tell people where you are? Do you want me to like, one guest said, tell everyone I'm in Alaska as opposed Alaska. to where he really was. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone has like a different choice of where they want to be or what they want right. to say. But well, um, uh, we are a pretty decentralized team. Like we have ever uh, been like that, but like with the COVID-19 situation, even more so. Right now, I am in uh, the basement of my mother's house where I actually grew up. And you can see some regalia, some nostalgic stuff from the old days. Like, you know, we have here the earlier versions of cryptocurrency. You know, fiat what's, currency. what's behind you? Can you show us? Uh, these are like old bonds. This this one is from the kingdom of Bulgaria, um, Bulgarian uh, descent. Then further up, there's like a bond from one of the German kingdoms. So, you know, surround them. I'm a child of the market. You could say that. Yeah, was you always are. fascinated. Well, well, I want to go back, you know, kind of your early history and, and your growing up and, and things that you remember from your childhood that still kind of like help you go through your path of life today. But really, the first question I had or the only question is, what is a former member of parliament doing working in crypto? What well, that's you a doing? very good question, <laughs> obviously. Um, you know, my theory was always has always been that, you know, you should try and do something for the society, for the country, for the community you live in. And, you know, earlier on in my life, I had the opportunity to be part of a movement which gathered a lot of momentum out of protests in the country. People were dissatisfied with the status quo. And there were early elections, and I sort of got sucked into uh, this, uh, then got elected in parliament. Uh, but I don't believe in professional politicians. You know, we have too many of those. And I think once you get voted out, your place is in the private sector. It's because there you gather the, the valuable experience of running a company, how corporations are structured. Uh, and this is essential to you being effective once you have an elected position. And so many of the people, like, they have zero touch touch with with reality with real jobs real concerns of the citizens and you know and they can get get their own life uh, in check and they want to govern how everyone else is supposed to do yeah. uh, uh, well in life or write the rules so i had always this uh, in the back of my background i'm born in germany by the way oh, I and know that. Uh, you know my mom reminded me that very early on when people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say the chancellor of Germany. So <laughs> uh, it's a funny story, but a true one nevertheless. And, you know, I always found this intertwined between the public life, politics and business on the other side. Quite fascinating. I um, also grew up in my mother's basement and that's where I got my crypto start too. And I wish I could go back and turn it into a museum because I feel like all of our mother's basements are going to be like 
museums down the road because all the, the crypto people. Um, you know, um, going back to what you said, though, <clears throat> I remember uh, like 10 years ago when President Obama ran for president here in the U.S. Wow, it's the first time I actually used in 120 episodes used President Obama in an analogy. It took that <laughs> long. But when he was running for president, I remember a lot of people saying, here's a guy who is an academic. And how is he going to be president? He's never really held a job. He's always just went from academia and then he's going to be the president. And for better or for worse, you saw we saw what happened with with his presidency. So the question I have for you is, do you think that people in government should should have like a, a business background before coming into government and trying to tell us how to run our own businesses? Well, there's multiple ways uh, and roads that lead to Rome, ultimately. Like from my experience, we are a fairly young democracy, just barely 30 years old. And, you know, prior to that in Bulgaria, where I was member of parliament, like we had socialism. So you had this stigma of, you know, people having like zero uh, capital market exposure. That's for sure. But like any sort of organizing themselves differently apart from a government telling them what to do. So I had, you know, I have this in the back of my head. Now in the U.S., it's obviously uh, much more different. You know, you could have a businessman be a president, not turning out so great. You could have an yeah. uh, academic, you know, doing a finer job. Uh, I think it ultimately comes down to that uh, it's specifically in the U.S. I don't think it's the, you know, it's not a single person, the president, determining all the processes that are undergoing and in such a vast economy that couldn't be the case. So, you know, there you can have more diversity for a smaller country where like power is concentrated towards one person. So gradually, I think do think that business experiences uh, is quite, uh, quite helpful. Yeah, it's important. And, and maybe like at the same time, having um, like a good balance, right? Like you're saying, because sometimes it's important to have people who are not involved in business being government too, because sometimes our financial greed makes us forget that we're humans at the end of the day and we should be helping our fellow man or woman or whatever. Um, do you think, do you think we'll see a world like with COVID-19 and, and, and we will talk a lot about Nexo, but I'm the half the show is me. I'm just curious. And I have so many questions for people. Um, right, yeah. Do you think, do you think we'll see like a, um, and these are things that I just think about when I when I wake when I lay up at night because who who's been sleeping in the past year, right? Mm -hmm. But um, do you think we'll see a world of like jurisdictional shopping? Um, you have countries like Bulgaria and so many others. Um, I don't want to start naming them, but uh, I'm very fortunate in the space to be friends with people like yourself who are current or former members of parliament, current current and former heads of state. In fact, one of my guests last week was just being was just uh, on his way. He get to cancel. Because he was being appointed an ambassador uh, in Dubai. Yeah, I read for, that for, tweet. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true story. And we he's one of my best friends, actually. Um, well, not best friends, but very close friends. He's an amazing guy. But uh, yeah. um, so, with the jurisdictional shopping, like, do you see people leaving these like larger countries that have their presidents seventy-five years old and over to? smaller countries where they're a lot more flexible, where the government and the people are just a little bit uh, more organic, willing to open up the world. I can't explain it. My question. Yeah, uh, that goes back to an idea that I really like. I first encountered it in, uh, was either the Black Swan, now it was Anti-Fragile, the book by Nassim Taleb. I'm a huge follower oh, of yeah. Interlabs. And there he made the case like of anti-fragility, something that gets better under stress circumstances. Not only is resilient, but it gets better. And he like always gave, uh, gives the, the example of Switzerland, you know, where you have this tiny little country surrounded by picturesque mountains and they have the cantons, you know, the different... Uh, mini states which are very decentralized and they govern themselves really well and in a very sovereign way and he argued that switzerland is one of those countries like the 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 worse it gets throughout the world the better it gets there so um you know this is exactly what you described and you know this was like he coined this term decentralized government 
I'm not sure he coined it, but he definitely used it prior to decentralization in the context of crypto becoming cool at all. So I think there's nice parallels between the you know the the way that blockchain is governed, supposed to be governed like in a decentralized manner, and also entire countries. But to your question, I do think we're going to see uh, a couple of uh, um, larger trends. One would be like uh, regulatory. Uh, jurisdictional arbitrage, and there are a lot of companies doing that, including Nexo. We like the way a certain jurisdiction treats crypto. Mm. More likely than not, we're going to set up shop there, have the infrastructure, and see which parts of the world we can serve most efficiently from there. And then just like by COVID-19 exacerbating the whole process, we're going to see like People working from just about anywhere in the world, like what's what's stopping you? You need a laptop, you need internet connection. You got that even in third world country, countries nowadays. Yeah, and both of us in the first because, like you know, then again now you can't really turn off. This like constantly notifications, slacks, Zoom, invites, whatever. This is horrendous. So it's got its ups and downs, and it's really about striking a balance here. I think I agree with you on that. And uh, at the end of the day, really, everything does come down to a balance. Um, do you see, do you see, okay, so you've, you know, you've, you studied economics, you worked in finance. I studied in, law, curiously. So you studied law. I studied Even law. Even better. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So my parents being both, uh, you know, lawyers by education said, study law, you can figure it out afterwards. So I studied law, but I found the, the stock market in between. So my law studies got left behind a little bit. I feel like so many people in crypto, my business partner is actually a former lawyer and he just left, you know, he's never kept up his law license because, you know, when you're trading crypto, you're not, you don't really have to practice law anymore. Well, you do. It's good to know things. But um, I guess my question is, with you know, as as the natural progression of your life, like if you read your LinkedIn or your or you just Google you or anyone really, um, a lot of my guests too. It's like the natural the natural progression of their life. Like it almost looks like this. It led you to here, where you are now. Everything you've done up until this point has led you to put you in the position to be where you are today. Absolutely. Uh, with Nexo, um, can can Nexo and and the other companies in the space that act as this financial backend infrastructure, can can these be the end all be alls for us in terms of finally leaving the traditional financial system? Because at the end of the day, we still rely on um, banks. We still rely on the tradition, even ATM machines, to make that the connection, the toll booths between the world we live in versus the world we want to live in. I've been using, I've been telling, I've been using Nexo a lot lately um, because I like to understand the products. And I've been saying to myself, wow, like, you know, eventually I don't see the reason for banks or even, it's not just banks, it's it's the, it's the credit and capital markets in general. Mm. Uh, is this the end all be all for that? Well, a lot of to unpack in that question, you know, there's so many topics and so many intertwined thoughts there that, uh, you know, we need to get our hands around. Um, whether Nexo and companies of the like are, you know, destined to replace banks, I don't know. It really depends. Um, hmm, good question. It. First of all, I don't think that like all of the companies that we have in this, I think it, we're very close to like the dot-com and post-dot-com bubbles, like where you have yeah. this plethora of like thousands of companies, you know, and then very few of them are still around and they got into a place to be the Amazons, the Googles, the PayPals, the Ebays, you know, all of this, the Apples, the the really gargantuan type of companies, which ultimately have changed our life for better or worse, but quite dramatically. So this is number one. I don't think all of the companies are going to make it. And we can- But when you were using those that. like PayPals and everything, even 10 years ago, you never said to yourself, this is going to replace the financial infrastructure that we use right. today. No one ever said, I'm not going to use banks. I'm going to use PayPal exclusively. But people are saying, I'm going to use 
uh, whether it's Nexo, BlockFi, whoever, I'm going to use those exclusively. I'm going to be on Binance. I'm going to, between the crypto ATM companies, uh, people are exclusively moving into, you know, um, I bet you the next company in your in your industry is going to offer crypto-backed mortgages or, yep. or you know, be able to borrow against real estate and borrow crypto against real You'll see things like that. It's going to be intense. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, like people said, oh, you know, retail, uh, physical brick and mortar shopping is dead now that we have Amazon and then, you know, full circle coming in Amazon, you know, uh, building like physical stores. So, uh, you know, change in my experience, and it's not the longest experience in <laughs> the history of the world. I'm 33 right now. Yeah. Uh, but We're the my, same age. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm 30. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, my experience is that radical change happens much slower than people uh, expect it to, you know, especially us, the people that are inside our own yeah. bubbles and we see crypto and we love it and we want everyone to see its merits and instantly jump on the bandwagon, you know. But uh, first of all, I think just like from a user experience, UXY, simplicity of use, we have a long way to go in the blockchain space. Now, this is one of the reasons like why products like Nexo are popular is because right now we are positioned as sort of a bridge between the traditional and the very new, exciting prospects of the brave new world of digital currencies. But they, you know, they still want to have the MasterCard and swipe it and pay in an instant. They don't want to uh, have yeah. a PhD on MetaMask just to, uh, you know, see their uh, their outstanding balance. You know, so. It, it's going to take much longer, in my opinion. There's definitely the fundamentals to build things better, but I don't think it will make instantly obsolete like the legacy structures that we had, partially because even our new solutions, they, they, they rely upon uh, the traditional infrastructure and are interconnected in some way. Last and not, but not least, you have regulation to consider yeah like it is very unlikely that you know that uh, you can have a large-scale operation of i don't know um issuing mortgages as you pointed out or paying interest on u.s dollars in the u.s like i don't know for this as soon as you grow in size, you have the regulators all over the space uh, or over the place. You know, you can't escape that even with DeFi solutions, which are decentralized. And, you know, there's not a single company that you can send a subpoena to. Um, I don't think they're, they're immune, especially if they grow significantly in size and regulators see a large concentration of money and they view that as dangerously. They will put the companies in a certain railroad like akin to you know the early 20th century companies where like you yours. had like under toil and you know the railroads companies the banks being broken up by antitrust and you know regulation you are it, your companies are the ones that are like the the compliance army for the rest of us mm -hmm. because the defi the centralized coins the decentralized ones, the securities, the utilities, the yield farming, everything at the end of the day, people are getting in and out of crypto. You know, they're buying and selling in and out from their tradition. So they're, but they're only doing it at these toll booths, whether it's the Bitcoin ATM machines or it's companies like Nexo or it's companies like Coinbase. Um, you guys are the toll booths. How have those regulations involved? You, uh, like you said, you, you studied law and... Yeah. You understand regulations. You're actually certified in anti-money laundering. I am. Um, I am also. I'm also anti-money laundering specialist because I went to prison for it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about. No, I actually didn't. Get, well, that's another conversation. But uh, yeah. I did. But um, I'm funny guy sometimes. You let's, have a very interesting history. So. I know. I know. Well, the, it's funny because I remember sitting. I remember sitting. Uh, with my lawyer, my lawyer said, you know, Charlie, you shouldn't have been the compliance officer. And I said, I was the only employee. I cleaned the toilets. <laughs> you, I was the compliance officer. I did customer support. I did everything. Yeah. I didn't even know what compliance officer meant. I just clicked a checkbox when I yeah. filed for FinCEN. Yeah. And I, I filed for FinCEN in my mom's basement, which was probably right. a very bad idea. Yeah. Well, but anyways, 
I was young and stupid and we all make mistakes, but going back to that. So how have those regulations changed in terms of how, uh, the regulators look at us and I don't want to hear like a U.S. answer because I hear enough of that. Tell me what right. tell me what Europe is like uh, and tell me why Europe is really going to uh, be the the forefront with Asia in, in crypto adoption and not the U.S. Well, I'm not sure whether I agree with that. It's up for debate. There are arguments on both tell sides. Me, tell but, me how that's wrong. Right. Uh, well, next we operate in 200 jurisdiction, which means like we have uh more than a dozen different legal entities servicing different parts of the world now me <laughs> being a law student and a lawyer by education i'm overseeing uh the legal department and the compliance so you know i hope i never face the predicaments that <laughs> you have faced in your life and you and you shouldn't and right. you won't uh, uh no but we have a very capable team and i it's a good moment to take the team, the legal team. They're really incredible. And they're working around the clock with law firms in the uh, respective jurisdiction just to make sure that our models, as we devise them, either do not require direct licensing for whatever reason, you know, partially when you issue loans, for instance, like you have uh, Bitcoin as collateral and you have the payout option as Tether. There are certain jurisdictions where they say, well, this is cryptocurrency. We don't view that as money and you don't need a license. You know, obviously, in the US, it's slightly more complicated than that. But you have jurisdiction where they have uh, taken a very, let's say, fair type of approach where they say, well, this is no different than you trading oranges and why should you require a license for that? And obviously, these are the jurisdictions that you can uh, get going very quickly, very low-cost uh, barrier um, for you to set up shop. And then obviously once you conquer those, you have the more like you have sandbox regulations, you know, Switzerland, in Malta, different uh, things um, that make it possible for a swift development of your business um, goals. But essentially at some point, you sooner rather than later found, find yourself wanting to be active in the U.S. market, and because it's such a large, uh, you know, country, wealthier than like you know, pretty much uh, all the countries in the world. So there's a lot of business, and you want to be in that market. And I don't know the the system you have guys over in the U.S. Yeah. is just so terribly complicated. I think it's a lawyer's world. You, I don't know. Can you file an IRS return without a lawyer? I don't think you can. I don't think or I've ever done people. my taxes without an accountant or lawyer. Right. Uh, well, I don't think. Um, well, then you can imagine what uh, credit on online credit facilitation looks like from <laughs> a legal standpoint and like just the sheer cost of, uh, you know, lending making sure and, you have a compliant yeah. enterprise is just mind boggling. But lending yeah, and loan disbursements is one of the hardest things to do. And it's, uh, but it, it is governed by the same uh, laws that govern money in terms of like, like, so, you know, in the US, every state is its own country, basically. Mm -hmm. we have, every state has its own uh, financial services law that you need your own license. It's all like its own. Every state is its own. And so um, I'm an investor in a, in a Bitcoin ATM company, uh, Byte Federal. We have yep. 150 machines, but mostly our machines are in Florida, Alabama, South, like Southeast US. Mm. Um, and that is because every state we have to, it, the cost to approach the regulator there to get the license is so high in every state. So you're literally state by state. So if you look at the top 10 producers and the top 10 Bitcoin ATM manufacturers uh, uh, or operators where a lot of people, you know, in the US, North America has huge amount of, uh, of crypto ATMs, people buying and selling within those kiosks. They're, they want to do things like buy and sell crypto, but also, you know, take out loans or have a crypto debit card. These machines are becoming the next banks, you know, and the companies that are rapidly putting 20 or 30 machines a month are going to be the next infrastructure plays because every company like Coinbase, they rely on the banks. Right. When yeah. you have crypto ATM machines, you are your own bank. You start the end to end point. So that's why I invested in those companies yeah. back in 2017. I realized that. 
um, because that's how you'll get the, ne- the next infrastructure. But even the regulations on that are, are so high and intense, uh, the cost is triple of compliance of whatever you pay to yep. do compliance on those on those type of companies. It's, it's what do you think is the challenge for any crypto company um, replacing a bank? Okay, come on. This is so cool. This is the new BitPay card that I have in my hand, and I'm so excited to be finally having the new one that just came out. Now, guys, I've been using the BitPay card since 2016. Yeah, you heard that right. Way before I started Untold Stories, way before BitPay became a sponsor of mine, I've been using this card, and it literally became a way for me to have a bank account uh, for many, many years, as, as a lot of people in crypto need banking, need better banking. The BitPay card is chock full of the coolest features. It's got contactless pay, uh, better rates and limits, no fees to convert from Bitcoin right onto the card, added in chip security. I mean, it's sexy. It looks good, unlike other cards. It's so easy to get. Just download the BitPay app on your phone, click the card icon, and you can do it right there. If you use the promo code CharlieJune20, your card is free. Remember, CharlieJune20. 20. It's in the show notes. You can get a free card. So literally, just from listening to my show today, and make sure you actually listen, you can get a free card just by entering that code. So download the BitPay app, get the coolest card on the market, the best card on the market. I've been using it for over four years now. I know there are so many cards out there, but the BitPay brand is the oldest and longest running Bitcoin company in the world. I mean, that's who issues this card. This is the card you want to have. Remember, Charlie, June 20, download the BitPay app on iOS or Android to sign up for the new card. You're going to freaking love it. I'm really excited when I get to talk about projects and companies that have been around since the early days of crypto and supporting those projects. In many parts of the world, banking services simply haven't advanced the same rate as the adoptions of smartphones on the internet. Uh, Africa, Southeast Asia, it's they're skipping entire financial services over, they're skipping people over, and they're not even building out that infrastructure until cryptocurrency. We all know this, we've been hearing about it for so long. Electronium, a company based in the UK, decided to build an entire ecosystem based off of financial inclusion, empowering people, getting them involved, not just by working and by earning, but also by spending and being part of that community. Anytask.com is a company that's powered by Electronium, over half a million users, and you have the ability to do all these freelance projects, earn money, earn their tokens, and not only just earn ETN, but also be able to spend it on all these different things. What's what's crazy is that, and what's crazy good is that it's a, any task is attracting not just crypto people, but actual talented freelancers that are willing to take ETN in return for doing all this work. It, it's literally created this whole uh, ecosystem. And the thing is, it's not been just like a new novel idea. It's been around for a while. They're doing it. They're growing every single day. They're doing uh, millions of dollars in transactions. You got thousands and thousands of different people on the platform offering different services. And you should go check it out. It's it's so cool. The staff are great. The people are great. Everyone on the platform is so cool. Uh, according to ETN Everywhere, their official merchant directory, uh, ETN can be spent in over, I think it's 2,000 physical locations and online locations worldwide. You're talking about uh, in 140 countries, mobile airtime, um, shops, TVs, all these different things, not just being able to spend it. And so check them out, Electronium anytasks.com, support my sponsors. They're so cool. And I'm excited for you guys to check it out. What do you think is the challenge for any crypto company um, replacing a bank? I'm going to give you my answer afterward. The challenge of any crypto company uh, becoming a bank is you have to offer every single service that a bank offers end to end. And that is because you need to, because a person just doesn't use a bank for you know, depositing their paycheck and spending and then paying their credit card bills. Most people use banks for a lot of different reasons from if you're a vacation rental company and you need to issue checks to your housekeepers or to the handyman, you need to physical checks, you know, handwritten checks. That's still, that still is very high demand. You need banks, you need the ability to go cash in and cash out, like physical Mm. cash. Still very high in demand around the world, especially Mm. in the US, it's growing in demand. So you need to offer those credit and capital markets. Uh, my listeners know that over the past few months, I've been talking about this a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
since I always believed that crypto wouldn't be mainstream until we've had our own uh, credit and capital markets. And that is the ability to loan against, borrow against, derivatives, short, you know, to be able to do things like that. Now that we can do all these things, we're slowly checking off the check marks of eventually taking over the whole end-to-end financial infrastructure. The only thing we don't do is is print our own money, but with DeFi, we're doing that now. So it's all good. Well, I I totally agree with that. I think there is an even uh, there's a step before that, and it's something I I've been thinking about recently a lot. I think for this radical change to happen, as we discussed it, you need to change your unit of account and what your base currency is, because you know even the, well a lot of the crypto. Ah, that's folk, a good point. Yeah, they, 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 you know, they tend to calculate everything still in dollars, which, uh, you know, is, is, is very important because, you know, we got to start thinking in Bitcoin. And I'm slowly getting there. One of my partners, um, he, he, he was very early on, uh, on that, and I uh, should give him credit for that. He's like, you know, Anthony, you should stop thinking in dollar terms. It's hard to do. It is hard to do, but like, especially now since the COVID-19 situation, you know, uh, I, uh, prior to parliament, I was in the hedge fund industry and I've traded like absolutely everything. You and paper and paper and paper. Yeah. But, but, but the thing is like, I, I, since the financial crisis, like 2018, 2019, I have been waiting for the next large downturn and it never comes. So now I'm starting to thinking, to think that, this will perhaps never come. You know, there's always going to be really? like a perpetual bull market in equities, but that doesn't mean a thing. And it doesn't mean a thing because like since, just since COVID-19, we have 8 trillion more dollars competing with your dollars for the finite amount of hard assets that we have around the world. So I'm thinking that perhaps this will be the really the, the, the you know, we are never going to experience large crisis. Is this why we're seeing the real estate? Have our back. The ECB will have our back. They're just going to print more and more money. But then you got to stop thinking of the nominal value of the dollar because like a few years ago, you could buy something with a dollar. And nowadays it is really, really hard to do that. So I'm tying this uh, together with this notion that perhaps we should start viewing you know, our base currency is fiat, but slowly and surely adjusting to those that have proven scarcity, gold, but... Uh, so I'm, I want to push back a little bit Bitcoin. because I agreed with everything you said until you mentioned gold. Because if I were to agree with you, okay. then I don't count gold as that example because I hate to say it, but in the end of days, I don't see gold as being a, a scarce commodity that's going to be high in demand other than being a unit of account. But in the end of days, a a currency won't be realized for hundreds or for dozens of years because, you know, in the end of days or whatever, yeah. um, that'll be just be craziness and havoc. So what scarce assets can we start thinking of thinking now uh, and not, uh, not just like here in the U S like, okay, I can say, uh, the Florida real estate market has been going great now because of COVID and the New York real estate market has been going shit because people leaving New York. Yeah. So those are like very um, like short term type of events. Uh, what are like, how could I protect myself? Like, okay, crypto, crypto is, is, a, is a huge Bitcoin, factor. Yeah. yeah I'm because, becoming a big Bitcoin maximalist. Well, this is the thing. This is, I, well, I, we could talk about my maximalism because it's like a chart, like it goes up and down <laughs> It's like up and down and up right. and down. For those who don't know, I do video episodes now. So if you, I'm literally drawing a chart. Can you hear the microphone? Okay. Yeah, don't know. Well, guys, you should know there is video. I didn't know it. So no. <laughs> perhaps some um, other uh, people uninformed as myself. What type of scarce commodities? Like, uh, should I go out and buy a farm to start producing my own food? Yeah, well, I don't know what type of person. You strike me more as an urban type of uh, guy. But I left the city. Uh, no, the thing is, uh, I don't know. Uh, gold has its values, like store of value, uh, unit of account. It has been a while, uh, around Forever. quite a while. So people have this 
instant affection for it. I would argue that Bitcoin is even better. Uh, but I mean, the, the trend is there. You know, I uh, part of my studies in law took me to London. And I remember uh, I love eating seafood. And I would go once a month on my, <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 the money that my parents essentially gave me. I would once a month go to a restaurant called Caviar House and have this seafood amazing. where you had this tiny shrimp and a little bit of uh, an oyster and this and that. And that used to, call, uh, to cost 26 pounds. Now, last year, I found myself in the exact same spot, the exact restaurant. It had not been renovated, uh, had not been enhanced. The portion was exactly the same. And the same thing, the exact same thing that used to cost 26 pounds now cost 48 pounds, right? So fiat currencies are losing their purchasing power. It's hard enough for you to earn money. And now you have to think of ways of actually maintaining their purchasing power. So I think it's going to be like a rush for hard assets, whether they will be prime real estate, gold, Bitcoin, whatever. As soon as people realize that the Fed and the central banks are never going to stop the pumping machine. Or we got to go about to war. That's how they fixed it in the 30s. I've been thinking about this a lot, um, and that's why I've been pushing a little bit with you on this because I I have been thinking about this a lot, and and uh, my my best solution I could think of now is how to protect yourself against like a coming of end of days or whatever is rental real estate because rental at the end of the day, yeah, people need to eat, live, and drink water. Well, the the water and the food part, I'm not you know I I don't really know, but I do know real estate a little bit. So what I've been doing, and a lot of people have been uh, hearing me do this and they've been doing the same thing as I buy very old houses, like hundred year old houses that are going to be condemned. And we just fix them up and put them on Airbnb. And my goal is down the road that if like there was ever a shortage of the ability to earn income or a shortage of, um, you know, the world falls apart at the end of the day, someone's going to be living in that house. And if they want to stay there, they're going to have to give me something in return. So now it's onto that person to find food to give to me to live in the house. That's how I kind of look at it. What's the annual yield on an investment like that? It depends on the, it's a great question. It depends on, uh, it depends on um, how you view it. So if you look at, let's just say we say $100,000, right? If you, if you, if you put $100,000 on Nexo and you're not living off of that and and you keep 10% of your savings wallet in Nexo tokens, you'll earn 10% on that USDC or whatever. I know I'm talking about your company now. Yeah, I love the fact that you talk about it and I don't have to do myself. I need to make sure I understand the the products of the the companies and the people that I talk to. Um, So, and I've been using it uh, because I I love it. So, so now at the end of the year, theoretically, if you didn't spend that interest, you'd have $110,000 at the end of the day. And then you keep compounding that interest. That's great for some people. Uh, It really, it's... uh, it's a, I see that get on your Bank of America account, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. But I still see that as a temporary thing because I think uh, I like the idea of owning assets that earn you um, income. So you asked what the, the return on is. Yeah. If I buy a $100,000 uh, property and I need to spend 30 on making it up to, to speed, the first two years, um, if I can earn at least 8% mm-hmm. return, before like taxes and insurance, that's good because the value of that property now is going to go up two, 3% every year. Okay. Um, and then the amount I could charge interest goes up every year at the same time, but my costs never really change. Yeah. So that's how I kind of look at it. No, the, I, I love the idea. I love the concept. Uh, maybe riots and COVID-19 are yeah. not very supportive right now, but I just, it totally makes sense. Much better than, you know, holding fiat currencies on a, on a zero one percent uh, interest rate earning account somewhere. The thing is, it's very, it's very um, capital intense. Got to have the. It's cap- very capital intensive, and so I, I was actually talked. A friend of mine here owns a company, AMILocals.com, and he has one hundred and seventy uh, vacation rental houses that he owns. Like these are very high quality. You know, his cash flow is insane. Yeah. So I talked to him and I said. You should securitize an issue like a token. And I don't know, you know, there's a lot of legalities behind it, 
but you can offer kind of like what INX is doing and offer a cash flow token. So it's not a security token, but you can offer people 13, 14% a year. Uh, And because he borrows at 17%, he would rather do this. So that's why I see, you know, we talked about earlier with credit and capital markets. You know, if you have someone who can go develop a house now and he doesn't need to go to a bank and he can go to the crypto industry to borrow that money, go to you, Nexo, uh, people building hotels. Hell, dude, I'm telling you, you're going to see this. One day someone's going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, we are a country or we are a uh, a Native American tribe and we want to borrow money to build out this infrastructure. Now you're funding cities. Yep. Now the crypto industry is funding cities. How crazy is that? Well, we had something on a smaller scale, admittedly, but like we had Brock Pierce, presume you know Brock. Oh yeah, running for yeah, president. And he was like, you know, I have this bunch of Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin was trading at around 3,000. It was the beginning of last year. And he said, I have this amazing chapel, a building that is up for sale in uh, central Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. His church, yeah. his church vacation rental. Yeah, exactly. Well, he borrowed against his Bitcoin and we did a trilateral deal where like he uh, staked his Bitcoin. We got him a loan and he oh, transferred cool. the funds directly to the notary. And, you know, it's, it was a thing of beauty, the building itself and the deal itself, because like, I don't know, maybe four months later, Bitcoin was at 6,000. So basically this deal financed itself. So we had something on us. What's the, what was the interest scale. rate? It was really interesting. So again, what was the interest rate range like for, and is this, was it okay. a mortgage or is it just like a loan against crypto? Well, we call it uh, uh, the first crypto mortgage. It's not technically a crypto mortgage. Well, it's well, we can make a case that it's a, it's a crypto mortgage. What was he paying or interest plus principal? Or? With the idea of purchasing uh, the real estate, but we don't have any sort of interest or security. Uh, the house has a security. Right. Do you think well, that would be from 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 the the rise of Bitcoin? So it's essentially a free deal for him. He's got like his Bitcoin, which doubled in size. He's got uh, yeah, it worked out. Right. And Is he, that a model that you could do? Right. Is that a business model that you could do down the road? Other people we, saying we want to we buy. We are definitely considering uh, that. We have had many people follow his lead and do deals like that. Whether this can you know, become like a full-blown, like, uh, I don't know. The thing with, with Nexo is we like liquid collateral. And as soon as more people tokenize real estate, this could develop in a business. Otherwise, we will have to tokenize it ourselves. And then, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little bit hard because then, you know, you don't have the liquid market where, like, yeah. need be, you can, uh, you know, uh, sell the collateral. No, so. I see what you're saying. You, the, your, the business model is based on the fact that the collateral is liquid and if needed be, you could do that. That's why like people borrow money against stocks all the time because for that same reason, the, the interest rate's lower because you know that your risk is less. What are you going to do with the property? That's why these economies of scale, it's kind of crazy. But yeah. um, um, no, let's let's talk about Nexo. Um, of course. Uh, you, you, every email that someone gets from Nexo, uh, whether it's a withdrawal request or a, a deposit or it's a welcome email, you mentioned a few things that you take pride on. And the fact that you're a regulated financial institution and that everything is insured and up to $100 million yep. and that you work with BitGo as your custodian. And one of my favorite things, too, is that you do almost instant uh, withdrawals. So it feels like it's a non-custodial wallet. Yep. Why do you feel that these things need to be said on every page, on the emails, on the website? Oh, that's a very good question because <laughs> we occasionally have debates on whether we should say that everywhere. And one of the, uh, the, the partners who is very, very uh, vocal and has strong feelings about it, I, you know, I'm more like, I'm generally more flexible type of person. But, you know, there is a couple of different customers that we have now first of all why we have why the the emails are so detailed and they uh they have a lot of uh, information a lot more information that you 
use a need for a, for a withdrawal, you never know where this email is going to end up. So, you know, might be with someone who hears of Nexo for the first time. And if those four lines and, you know, help him convert and trust us, they would have been worth it. Uh, but, you know, we have like the retail, the smaller clients, which, you know, for them, a couple of hundred bucks, a couple of thousand bucks might be a lot of money. So they need to know that those for funds are in a secure space uh, and place. So that's why we always put emphasis on that. And this is even truer um, for larger entities, institutions where they need a certain level of trust uh, or science traditional uh, sector and space in order to make the step not only towards you, but towards crypto, you know, knowing that there is a regulator overseeing it creates a certain level of trust in, in some people, perhaps rightly so. Uh, the other way is to go, you know, fully non-custodial, but with the way that we have structured the business and the solution that uh, we are providing, you know, this bridge between traditional financing crypto, there are some things that are inherently off-chain and that are not yet on-chain and I don't know when they're going to be. Uh, so, you know, you have this trade-off between the, the service as it is, it, the usability and, you know, the security. And we're trying to make the best of the, the mixture in, a, in the best possible manner. In a best possible way. Like, because if you talk about it too much, then people are wondering why are they talking about it too much? And there's like a perfect balance, like you said, with everything. Yeah. The, uh, so uh, your model right now, um, who are you, who's the, like, what are the demographics of your type of clients? Are, are people mostly using the credit line option? Or are they using it mm -hmm. to um, earn interest on an already asset that they see appreciating? Borrowing against those assets, uh, do you see like a change in your type of customer? I don't think we see a change. It has been very consistent, like from the onset. We have like people literally from everywhere, apart from the sanctioned countries. Like yeah. I don't think there's a there's a single jurisdiction we don't have a customer from, and it's it's really mind boggling. You can have like what's considered a whale from a country that you would never even expect like three years ago them mm. to know what even Bitcoin is. Just, I found this very fascinating. So when people ask me where the customer from, all over the place, like truly exactly as Bitcoin was envisioned, like it's truly global, borderless. There's people from absolutely everywhere. Obviously, like in terms of number of people, we tend to have younger uh, uh, people like Interesting. Sheer number of users, but then when you balance that with the average account, you know, you get to the older folks like you know, having more funds. Like naturally, yeah, you know, people who if have you been actually put a heat map more money, so it balances out. I couldn't like tell you like you know, who has in uh, in nominal value more funds with us like yeah would be the younger people or the older uh and then like in terms of the project the products we have two main lines of products one's the instant crypto backed loans like where you stake something like bitcoin and get something like the us dollar and then the other this has its sort of like for this to be interested in that you gotta already be converted into crypto Unless you have crypto, you cannot be a client of that product. Now, the other spectrum where you have people earning interest on their uh, crypto, but also on their fiat currencies, we have a more versatile crowd. Like we have had like, whole different ranges of people. We've had like, we had this mayor of a town in Germany, which I was like, wow, you know, because he was flagged as a politically exposed person. And it uh, got uh, dragged to my attention. And he's a cl client of Nexo, the mayor. You know, we did an enhanced due diligence yeah. for his source of funds, etc. Turns out everything's fine. He, you know, the, the, the money, like he, he, the amounts were covered even by his salary. So it's like no concerns. But like, how crazy is this? You have a mayor of a German town being a 
uh, a client. How funny is that? Earning interest on his yeah. it's insane. That's so crazy, and you probably get a lot of uh, politically exposed persons, and it'll it'll uh, it'll increase, uh, and it has been increasing. You'll probably get, you probably do have like you know even U.S. congressmen, congresswomen that are that are that are uh, users and of, of crypto and also Nexo. It's it's so interesting, and I just found out interestingly enough, the reason that I get flagged all the time is that there's a very small company called LexisNexis that like every financial service company in the world uses. Yeah, and I get flagged in them, so right. now I know. I finally know after te- after nine years, someone finally told me that well, it's LexisNexis that's flagging me. Yeah, well, <laughs> securities case. I mean, like, no, it's okay. It's fine. I'll, I, I've made my mistakes and I lived through it. It's, it's. I'm just. I, I never knew. I was like, no one was telling me what's the software. Why am I being flagged? What is going on here? But um, it's all resolved and it's all good now. Um, you have paid so your debt to society, haven't you? No, yeah, I did. I did uh, financially and and uh, and in prison in in terms of uh, of going to prison. But um, you know, if my, if my case was a lesson for anyone, then it was worth going to prison because if 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 I could have prevented other people from making the same mistakes I did, then no. so be it. If I needed to be the martyr, or if I needed to be the one uh, in this industry that that went to prison so everyone else isn't stupid enough to do the same thing, no. then so be it. Then then it is what it is. And I'm I'm okay with that. That's my I'm fairly certain that's easier said than done <laughs> and having to live through. No, it does suck to live through it, but every but I've learned that my difficult times is nothing compared to some of the difficult times that other people have went through. The stories that I hear, that's just I would never it's insane. Um uh, What's the future of Nexo? When are you launching a debit card? Because I need that. And when are you going to have the ability to trade within Nexo itself? Uh, okay. Uh, first, with the and then I want to talk to you about something cryptocurrency else uh, functionalities. This is something that uh, the IT, the Dev team, we have an incredible Dev team. The Dev team is close to forty people. Wow! Like I remember, we had this conversation where we rented our first office, and like the, the three co-founders, like. We don't envision Nexo to ever surpass 20, 24 people. We're now like we have 110 in one of the Slack channels. So it's slightly above that. I have to see the exact figure. But uh, cryptocurrency exchange, they're working on those functionalities should be um, live by the end of this year. Now, you know, it's always tricky with deadlines, especially yeah. if they're software. But I definitely think within this year, because like when we do service of the communities, uh, like cryptocurrency exchange is one of the highest ranking. Now, uh, the the MasterCard uh, that we have, unfortunately in the US is going to be delayed is because of- Can we have enough Bitcoin debit cards really anyway? I'm curious how you know, the, 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 the credit cards, they split the world. They have, you have Southeast Asia, you have Europe, and then you have the States and it's three different procedures you go through. Have a very capable team of um, uh, working on the US, but Charlie, I will have to disappoint you. You have to wait a Fine. little longer. We, the have, is, the, the, we have enough. What? Sorry? I use the, I've been using the BitPay debit card since 2016 and it does a few things very, very well. Unfortunately, most of the other cards that come out today just do a lot of things very shitty. So... I'm pretty happy yeah, well, with my product. Uh, the thing, the thing, why it takes us so long is because uh, Mastercard, with whom we work, it's uncharted territory for for them. Yeah, I remember well, they had the debit cards where they instantly sell your Bitcoin for fiat, and you spend the fiat. But that's this is a couple of consideration here. First, you obviously don't have your Bitcoin anymore. Secondly, which a lot of people don't pay attention to, but I think the IRS essentially will, is the mm. fact that this is a tax event. You've sold your Bitcoin. If this is at a profit, you got to pay tax on it. And I don't know what the taxes are in uh, in Florida, but then your... Uh, yeah, it is complicated. I see what you mean now. In Starbucks gets like 7 or $8. So this is something that people don't have necessarily in the back of the heads. And with our card, it's very difficult. The, as soon as you swipe it, we extend you an instant credit line. So it's quite complicated on their end. And that's why um, it's... It's a tax it, write-off. Sorry? The, it's, interest is a tax write-off. So all my interest to yeah. you... Absolutely. Uh, 
there's a write-off. So yeah. if anything, it's not a, it's a it's an opposite. If I would swipe the card, yeah. a Nexo card, it would be the opposite taxable event. It would be that the government owes me money now. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a loan against its interest that I'm now paying you automatically. Well, you pay the interest, you can deduct that. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's so funny, actually. Yeah. There you go. Well, we got to be careful not to give taxes. Here's the debit card where the government pays you when you swipe it. <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that's a unique selling point. No, your lawyers are going to be... Yeah, yeah that's funny. I love it. I'm definitely sure about that. How are you, how are you supporting um, other companies in the, in the space? Do you have... Uh, are you more B2... Are, have you been doing a lot of B2B? Uh, yes, increasingly so. Like, we... Like when we we came out, we wanted to focus on the retail, and I think we've done a finer job, like securing a good position in uh, with regards to the retail. Now we want to do even more for uh, the institutional level. You know, anything from providing prime mortgage, uh, prime brokerage solutions, uh, products which are bespoke to miners. You know, the whole nine yards. Mm. But also, like, we are seeing an influx of companies which are, you know, accepting payments in Bitcoin. Uh, they have a Bitcoin for whatever reason, just as an investment or somehow tied uh, intrinsically to their business model. whole bunch of different companies uh, coming to, and we have now a dedica- dedicated sales and support team for the institutional clients uh, um, separate from, from the retail. I guess... How do you differentiate between risk of retail versus institutional? Is there a different type? Well, like when you're lending to a retail person, you're making a lot of little loans. So the risk risk perspective is is a little bit different. Um, You know, you're willing to let a lot more people. Well, so in in this situation, when you're lending to institutions, I guess if you're lending to an institution, uh, the risk... uh, can be a little bit greater or lower, but you're not really doing business loans. So it's a stupid mm-hmm. question. Uh, moving on. The- no, no, but uh, I, I, there, there, there's a very good aspect there to no that stupid question. questions. It, I could briefly address that. Now, first of all, everything we do is collateralized. So for us, we don't do credit checks, right? Because we have the collateral and it's a liquid one. And our algorithms of managing the collateral, they've been stressed as like in 2018, when we launched, Bitcoin lost 86%. Like we had a 49% drop just in March and you didn't lose a single dollar. Now, when we work with institution, the, the reason why there's... Uh, less demand for our product is the fact that we require we require collateral regardless of this being a trustworthy institution which might have audited financials or whatever. This is not true of all lenders in the space and it's a very important differentiator here because like some of the company, I don't want to point names, but it's obvious who they are. They say we can have zero to 50% collateral and we're fine with that. And at Nexo, we were never very big on that because like, first of all, you know, there's like funds in the industry. There are very few true uh, funds. And then you have glorified prop shops out of a basement. So, you know, (laughs) and this is, it is quite tricky. It's never been a model that we were comfortable with. This is one of the reasons why the urn on crypto we only developed this year. We wanted to figure out a sustainable business model. So, you know, in terms of differentiating risk, we don't really have to do that because everything is collateralized with us. For my listeners who want to get involved in Nexo and who want to learn a little bit more and start using it or follow you, what are the best places that they can do that? Should they follow you? Should they go to uh, Nexo.io? What are the, the first... Um, first places they should do. <laughs> Next to IO, this is the you know the the the, the beautiful Listen to the show, yeah. that we have of the web. Do, do you like the new design of the website? Of the website, not of the platform. The website. I don't know if it changed. Well, while Charlie checks it out, uh, you know. Next oh yeah, month, I do like this. Is nice. Yeah, we did a lot of work. Shout out to the. Uh, dev team and also the designers we have an incredible i like stats um, like this i like when you go to a website and they tell you the numbers right there like this is how many years this is what we're doing like this is who we are i like that i really am proud of the design so uh yeah nexo.io it is the home of nexo i am on twitter 
quite frequently my handle is Anthony Nexo, all in one word. And then Nexo Finance is the Nexo Twitter. Like subscribe to that, you get all like all the all the important things around. Yeah. Anthony, thank you so much for for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories today. Thank you. I hope to to see you soon. Same here.